This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. So we have something special for you today. This is going to be a special edition of The Rap Report. We are going to give to you what we offered for the people who watched the Snatch Them from the Flames Home Edition. This is session one. Justin Peters will be the one speaking. It is the topic of the sufficiency of scriptures. You can still watch the full Snatch Them from the Flames Home Edition. Just go to strivingforeternity.org. Go to the online events, and you can watch it there. You will not want to miss this session with Justin Peters right now. Welcome to the Rap Report. One, two, three. Welcome to the Rap Report with your host, Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretation and application. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. All right. Well, welcome to Snatch Them from the Flames Home Edition. We're glad that you're watching. Um, this is Justin Peters on that side. If he's on that side on your screen, maybe he's on this side on your screen. And I'm Andrew Rappaport. We're glad to to be with you. Um, actually, I could Justin. I could put our names up. Look, there we go. There's our name. See. All, All right. right. <laughs> We're glad to be able to do this. You know, last year, about a year ago, Justin, you and I, a year ago, actually, last week, you and I were in the Philippines doing this seminar. Yes. Yes, we were. Yeah, it was a great trip. Uh, just precious, precious people in the Philippines. We we both, I think, we, I can speak for both of us and say we really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and the, the balut was very good. I know you really enjoyed that. <laughs> I was watching. Uh, I was watching Cash Cab the other night, and Balut was one of their questions. <laughs> they showed a picture. I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> for folks who don't know what Balut is, that's probably good for you. I didn't mind it. It tasted good, but Justin wasn't uh, willing to taste it. But we have over sixteen hundred people registered for this seminar, and um, just to to give you a few, um, here's Stan. He's in New Jersey. We got Dorothy here. She's from Texas, but uh, we have some folks from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Trevor here is from South Africa, says, just found out about the conference now and extremely looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Justin. Um, Leanne is from Southern Indiana, very close to Louisville, Kentucky, which is where the Ark Encounter is and the Creation Museum. We have Les from Northern Indiana, but we also have Iris from South Germany. Mm-hmm. Now, Naden, who's from Rhode Island, has a message for you, Justin. I think this is very good. He says, thank you for your guidance, Justin. I'm 15, and you helped me out of New Age 
ways of thinking. Wow. I know God is going to do great things through you. I love you, brother. Oh, well, I love you too, Nadia. <laughs> God bless you. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, Natalie Natalie says, thanks for amazing ministry, Justin. I also am 15. You really wow. helped me learn more about the truth of the charismatic Pentecostal churches. Thank you, Natalie. Praise the Lord. That's so encouraging to see young people tuning in. That's great. We got uh, Mary from uh, Massachusetts. I didn't ask everyone to put their their where they're from, but I figured before we get started, we'll put this out. We got Mary from Massachusetts and uh, Connie from Texas. Hopefully I don't get into names I can't pronounce. <laughs> uh, well, I can't pronounce that one, but I don't think it's... I, I'm going to go with Carol, is from Ohio. We also have uh, W from Ohio. He just goes by W. Uh, now, here's another. Ethan is 16. He's, Thank you for your ministries. I'm 16, and it helped me out a lot. Now, I really I really like Ethan because he also put this up, Justin. Everybody put hashtag Justin I win in the chat, and he did that. So I, I really, Ethan, two thumbs up. Uh, folks who don't know what Justin I win is, uh, all, all I could say is go to the website. There it is right there. JustinIWin.com. You knew that had to get in there somehow, right? I figured it was coming. <laughs> yeah. People just go to JustinIWin.com. You'll you'll get the the joke. There's a video that explains it, but uh, it's my way of bragging and getting him donations. So you donate to his ministry, put Justin I Win, I get bragging rights. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about supporting his ministry a bit, but uh, Toronto, um, I'm not going to be able to get to the rest of these, but Let's, uh, you know, we have, uh, I, I somewhere there was Michigan, but, um, so Justin, when we, um, you know, we talk about this, let me do some, put up, uh, just real quick, some, some information for folks that we have just as way of, uh, um, announcements, but let me share if I can find the PowerPoint. There we go. All right. So some things we got for folks is Striving Fraternities having a moving sale. If you want to get 50% off all of our books and uh, syllabuses, just use the moving the code MOVE. That is till June 15th. June 15th, that coupon will work to get you 50% off at our store. But we have a different thing here, Justin, that uh, is of interest. Uh, you got a new website. I do. I do. Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah, brand new website. It's just been live for uh, four or five days now, I guess. And um, much, much improved over the last one. The The last one uh, was an, an old website. And, you know, you just kind of tell it's dated kind of from the earlier days of the Internet. <laughs> and so this is uh, new and updated, a lot of new information. Um, yeah, some of the you know, resources that are available, but uh, videos, interviews that I've done with say like Jim Osmond on spiritual warfare, uh, some articles that I've written on various things, uh, linked to the podcast, uh, a detailed doctrinal statement is there. I like detailed doctrinal statements and I have one of those. So a lot of people email me asking, well, what do you believe about this or that? And, uh, probably most of that is covered in my doc- doctrinal statement. So, uh, yeah, lots of new stuff, same website or address anyway, but new website. Yeah. So we got, we got that, 
um, one last thing we have is that we are willing to do this conference in your church. And so this is something that Justin and I will come to your church. We'll be happy to come on and do this. Uh, we do either one of two. You have, we could do all day Saturday, like we're doing here today. Or if you want a Friday and Saturday, we could add two sessions where we add Anthony, Dr. Anthony Silvestro to, to cover two sessions on social justice. So if you're interested, just contact speaker at strivingforeternity.org and we can schedule one of those. So with that, Justin, we're going to end up handing this off to you. Now, for folks who don't know, Justin is super techie. He lives with tech. You do. You you ride on that scooter all, all, all day. So you're living with tech. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, we'll make more announcements throughout, but what we, the plan is today, Justin is going to talk this first session. We're going to do a session on, on, uh, sufficiency of scripture. Then we'll take a 10 minute break. I'll deal with interpreting scripture. Then we'll take an hour break for, for a break for lunch or in Justin's case, breakfast. And, <laughs> and then we'll, then we'll end up going for a longer session. Justin will do a longer session on discerning false teachers. And then I'm going to go through the entire book of Jude, going through identifying false teachers. And then after that's a Q&A. Now, let me let you know some things about the Q&A. You're watching on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. Put your questions there. It'd be nice if you put a capital Q and then a, a colon so that the person who's getting the questions knows it's a question for us. But they're going to be monitoring, looking for questions, and put it in for the end. There is an advantage to you to putting more questions in. Justin and I are both giving away some books and different things. And so those who answer the who ask questions will be getting those. Now, what we're going to do, because we realize there's people in the Philippines that are just getting ready to go to bed and they're not going to be able to watch this live. They're going to be watching tomorrow um, or the next day. And so we're going to have three people that we're going to pull out of all those who registered. So even if you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you didn't register, go to strivingforeternity.org, click on the uh, online events tab, go register there because what we're going to do probably Wednesday or Thursday, give people enough time to go in and register. Three people are going to be chosen at random. And you're going to get a private one-hour Zoom meeting with both Justin and I. So Justin and I will be will come in, we'll set up a Zoom meeting with you, and you get an hour of of being able to ask any question you want. And Justin, you and I are doing. Uh, we we really we started this because you. I, we should. I didn't get into that. We started this because you called me up and you said, "Hey, how's your uh, speaking schedule doing?" <laughs> and I said it was all clear. <laughs> yep. 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 I think uh, all of us have had pretty much cleared schedules for the last few months. And so um, I'm going to start kind of dipping my toes back in the water, I think, in June. I'm supposed to go to Texas. So so uh, maybe things are starting to kind of loosen up now and get back to some semblance of normalcy of sorts. Yeah. And I'm, I may, I'm still trying to see whether I'm going to make it up your way for July. I haven't, uh, there's a different factor that I should explain this. Some people are maybe wondering, um, some people say I don't look as intelligent with empty bookcases behind me. My books are practically social distancing. Uh, they're packed away in 90 boxes in the garage as I'm making my way out to Pennsylvania to, uh, to a church plant we have there called the Master's Church of Bucks County. And we'll talk about that later on. But if you're in that area, want to, uh, 
want to find a good church, you could come, you know, well, I don't know if you want to come hear me preach. I do hear there's rumor that Justin is going to be packing up and, and moving out to Pennsylvania to, to, to join me in this. You don't mind leaving the grandchildren, right? I mean, come on. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I tried, folks. I tried. (laughs) But yeah, so we're, that's why there's no books on my bookcase, but, um, that's how this started. We started because basically our schedules cleared up and we had, you know, Justin said, Hey, let's, let's try to do something online for everyone who's, who's at home. And so that's really why we, we came up with this idea of doing this, the seminar that we try to do in churches online. And I can't remember why I was bringing that up. I'll probably remember later. <laughs> um, I probably should have made a list of the announcements there, Justin. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mentioned the, the giveaway. So what I'll do is I'm going to hand this off to you. So here, Justin, let's, let's work on. So, uh, start your, your PowerPoint into presenter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Step slash so presenter view. We, we only did like did two trial runs of this folks. Okay. So command tab, right? Yep. Okay. Share screen, share screen. I'm starting to remember application window. Yep. Uh, PowerPoint slideshow. See, he's got this down. I did better than I thought. Okay. There we go. And then I'm going to bow out, and uh, I'll see you guys in about an hour. Okay. All right, dear friends. Well, um, I'm so grateful to have this opportunity and um, grateful for the technology. Of course, these are less than ideal circumstances given the uh, pandemic that all of us are going through, but um, grateful to have the technology that we do so we can at least do these kinds of things. And so thank you all of you for tuning in all around the world. So encouraging to hear see people from the Philippines and South Africa and Germany. So all over the world, uh, very honored and grateful to have this time with you. Okay. So I'm assuming everybody can see my PowerPoint here. I cannot see any of you. I wish I could, but uh, let us begin. So Hearing from heaven, how do we know when God is speaking to us? I'm sure you've heard people say, well, God spoke to me and told me to tell you such and such, or God told me this, God told me that. Uh, Have you ever heard someone say that? And it makes you wonder, what's wrong with me? You know, I, I don't hear God talk to me like that. Are these people more spiritual than I am? Do they have a closer walk with God than I do? Is there something wrong with my walk with the Lord? You know, I don't hear God talk to me like that. All these people, they they seem to hear God speak to them so regularly and so easily. And I just, I don't hear God talk to me like that. Am I not even saved? I can't tell you how many people uh, I have talked to over the years and how many people email me on a regular basis um, with these kinds of questions. And so I want to talk about this, how to know the voice of God. How do we know when God is speaking to us? Okay, so we have a fair amount of ground to cover here. And let me say, too, that in my PowerPoint presentation, I'm going to have a lot of different clips of very um, varied people. I'm going to have clips everywhere from Sid Roth and Benny Hinn to more people, people more in kind of a considered more to be more normal, if you will, like Robert Morris and even Charles Stanley and Beth Moore. Now, I'm, I'm showing these clips, the, the wide variety of individuals here, not to lump them all into the same group, not to equate uh, Charles Stanley with Sid Roth. And Sid Roth is just Looney Tunes. 
but I'm doing this to show you how widespread this belief is that God is speaking to people outside of scripture. Okay. So let us begin. I want to define a couple of terms. We need to lay a little bit of groundwork here because these are terms that are very widely misunderstood. Revelation. Revelation refers to God revealing new information that up until that point has been previously hidden. Okay, so God revealing something new that up until this point has not been revealed. Illumination refers to the enabling work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers to understand and to appropriate the truths of Scripture. So in other words, illumination is the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of us as believers when he helps us to understand God's word. As we read and study God's word, the Holy Spirit helps in the process of illumination, helping us to understand the word of God and then to appropriate it, obey it in our lives. So revelation is not happening anymore. Illumination is, and maybe you've heard somebody say, oh, well, I really got revelation on this. Well, no, you really didn't. You didn't get revelation. Now, what may have happened is illumination, the Holy Spirit illumining the meaning of God's word to our hearts and to our minds. So we need to keep those two terms uh, distinct and understand what they mean because they're very, very widely misunderstood. So this whole notion of God speaking today outside of scripture, not going to go too in depth in this because it's uh, too much in the weeds, but this, this idea of God speaking outside of scripture can be traced back to a movement known as pietism. This Pietism began in the late 1600s, went through the mid 1700s or so. It was a a reaction to what many people perceived to be an over intellectualized um, mindset coming out of the Protestant Reformation. Reformation. Some people believed that doctrine had become a little bit too heady and a little bit too dry, maybe, and cold. And whoops, there we go. And so uh, pietism was a reaction to that. It began with a man named Philip Spinner, 1635 to 1705. You see his dates there. And uh, Philip Spinner was no heretic, not at all. Uh, he, he just began to deviate just a little bit from the sufficiency of Scripture. And he began to put a little bit more emphasis on um, kind of impressions and things like that from God. And then uh, it progressed to a guy named August Franck, and he took Spinner's deviations a little bit further. And then you get to count Nicholas von Zinzendorf, and he he was even uh, further than that. And as as is the case, error always begets more error. Error does not stay localized. And in fact, Paul says right that it spreads like gangrene. And and by the time you get to the Nicholas von Zinzendorf, uh, he was he had developed something called the theology of the heart, and that he actually emphasized heartfelt convictions above that of scripture. And um, so he was really in some very serious error. He was the leader of the Moravians, and the Moravians uh, had this practice of, and maybe you've done this before. Uh, I did it many, many years ago, because I saw other people do it, but say you you need a word from the Lord and you got something going on in your life. Lord, I really need a word from you. I need to know what you're saying. And so you have your Bible in front of you, close your eyes and you just kind of open your Bible at random and you point and whatever your finger points at, that is God's word for you. Well, that can be traced back to Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf. 
Uh, it's a very bad thing to do, by the way. That's uh, It's not biblical at all. Divine revelation knowledge. Uh, this term was first coined by Essek W. Kenyon. He was the grandfather of the Word of Faith movement, Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland, that kind of thing. Kenyon believed in two types of knowledge. The first of these is sensory knowledge, that which we get through our five senses, sight, sound, taste, smell, touch. And the other is revelation knowledge. And this is supernatural knowledge that comes only from God. Now, according to Kenyon, the catch to this is that these two spheres of knowledge are mutually exclusive. And what that means is, is that reasoning or logical thought is of no value. So if you really want to go deep with God, when you want to get to the deep things of the Lord, then you need to disengage your mind, put your, put your brain in neutral. Uh, you may have heard of a practice called Lectio Divina. This is a a modern day version of what Kenyon started. This requires you to empty your mind uh, so that God can speak to you. And uh, Lectio Divina was popularized by Pope Benedict XVI in 2005. And now uh, this Lectio Divina has has actually become accepted in Protestant circles. Um, Unfortunately, uh, several years ago, even John Piper and Beth Moore were together up on a stage at a conference practicing Lectio Divina. This is a a profoundly unbiblical thing to do. Okay. All right. Speaking of Beth Moore, uh, and I know probably a lot of people watching me right now, your cackles are raised and you're upset that I'm talking about Beth Moore. Well, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that she regularly claims that God speaks to her outside of scripture. I want to, this is a quote from her book, Praying God's Word. And on page two, she says this, quote, what little I know, I want others to know. Before God tells me a secret, he knows up front I'm going to tell it. By and large, that's our deal. Oh my goodness. Uh, how many problems with this? So Beth Moore claims that God is telling her secrets. Of course, then she says he knows up front I'm going to tell it. Well, if he knows you're going to tell the secret, I don't really know that it's a secret. That doesn't make any sense. But you see this, um, she claims a, a real intimate relationship with God, that God gives Beth Moore secrets, tells her things that he's not telling other people. You know what? That's Gnosticism. This is a modern version of the ancient heresy of Gnosticism. And uh, it's profoundly unbiblical. It's profoundly arrogant to think that God is telling you secrets that he's not telling other people. Like you've got this inside deal with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. No, that is not, that is not true. That uh, flies in the face of the, so many things, the priesthood of the believer for one. But Anyway, she said, that's our deal. You see, Beth Moore has such a close, intimate relationship with God. She has a secret deal with him that that you and I just don't have. Another book that she wrote, When Godly People Do Ungodly Things. Now, this is just bizarre. Beth Moore writes this. She said, I heard the voice of God speak to my heart, and God said, come and play. I love that he said, come, not go, come. That meant that he was already there. I also love how I could tell by the sweet tone of his silent voice. I don't even know what that means. The sweet tone of a silent voice. If a voice is silent, doesn't that, how does it have a tone? But anyway, I love how I could tell by the sweet tone of his silent voice that he was smiling. So she could see God or Jesus 
smiling. She said, I could have outlined his expression with my finger. Now, I'm sorry, that's just creepy. That's just creepy. Beth Moore thinks that she can see Jesus so clearly that she could outline the expression on his face with her finger. That That's creepy. This is a romanticized view of of God. Uh, And it's just bizarre and downright creepy. And then she goes on, she says, I built a snowman. I laughed with God. He laughed with me. I am so in love with him. I am so in love with him. You see the, I mean, Beth Moore has got such a close walk with God, intimate relationship with him that, that she goes out and builds snowmen with Jesus. This is bizarre. This is bizarre. Okay. Now I want to show you a few clips of some very common teachers who claim that we should be hearing the voice of God regularly outside of scripture, but it should be a regular, normal part of the Christian life. Now, I hope that this audio comes through. Andrew, if if there's any technical difficulties, um, text me. Okay. All right. Watch this from Rick Warren. Last week, we began a new uh, mini series on understanding how to hear the voice of God. Very few things are more important than this because you can't have a relationship to God if you can't hear God. If all you do is ever talk to him in prayer and you never hear God speak to you, that's a one-way relationship. That isn't much of a relationship. So if all you ever do is talk to God in prayer, but you never hear God talk to you, then that's no relationship. You don't really have a relationship with God. Watch this from Priscilla Shire. Hi, I'm Priscilla Shire, and I'm hoping that you'll join me for a six-week journey as we talk about how we can hear and discern the voice of God in our lives. Do you really expect and anticipate that the divine voice of God can be heard by you? Do you really think that he loved you enough to die for you, but doesn't love you enough? Hmm. Not sure why it uh, quit. Let's see if... So you're, are you asking if God speaks specifically? And the answer is, yes, he does. Let me give you two or three examples. Speaking about buying groceries, on a particular day, I had a very short period of time, and so I wanted to buy a turkey for Thanksgiving. My time was really running out. I thought, well, I shouldn't do this now. I said, God, just show me what to do. It's like God said, go to this store, buy the turkey now. Against sort of my will, I went. I walked right in, straight to the right place, the right pound of turkey, walked right out, paid it, got back in the car in less than about 25 minutes. Did God tell me to go? Yes, he did. Okay, so here you see three very popular preachers, teachers, Rick Warren, Priscilla Shire, and that clip that Priscilla of Priscilla Shire stopped for some reason to play the whole thing. But she says, do you really think that God loves you enough to die for you, but not enough to talk to you? That is a real affront to the scriptures, to the word of God. What does she think the Bible is? That is God speaking to us. And then you hear Charles Stanley, who's not normally considered to be kind of in the charismatic wing of things, but he he very much is, even though he's Southern Baptist. But Charles Stanley talking about how one day God told him where to go get his Thanksgiving Day turkey. Has God ever told you where to go get your Thanksgiving Day turkey? Uh, If not, then Charles Stanley, boy, he's got a much closer relationship with God than do you. So God is telling him where to go get his turkey. I mean, it's it's such a such an intimate relationship that Charles Stanley has with God that God even instructs him where to go get his turkey. Uh, I might point out that Charles Stanley is divorced. Um, And I don't say this to be mean, but 
you know, it, it, it raises serious questions. How is it that God could tell him where to get his turkey? Uh, something so trivial as that, but not apparently how to save his marriage as a pastor. And uh, so you, you, but you see this, you, you see the implications of this, that uh, if you're not hearing God speak to you, then you just don't really have a close relationship with God. Now, this is a book entitled Practicing the Power by Sam Storms. Now, Sam Storms, dealing with soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, would be where Andrew and I are, doctrines of grace, uh, high view of the sovereignty of God in, in salvation. And uh, to his credit, Sam Storms has written and taught against some of the extremes of the charismatic movement. But nonetheless, he is by definition a charismatic. And I want to show you what he says here. He says, to be the recipient of prophetic revelation from God, whether in dreams, impressions, trances, visions, or words of knowledge and words of wisdom, can be nothing short of euphoric. The experience brings feelings of nearness to God and a heightened sense of spiritual intimacy that isn't often the case with other of the charismata. Um, This is a really unfortunate statement because Sam Storms, you see him emphasizing the importance of dreams, impressions, trances, even visions and words of knowledge above that of the more normative spiritual gifts like teaching, mercy, administration, exhortation, uh, the gift of giving, the gift of hospitality. These gifts, you see, they're just not, they don't bring you as into an, an intimate relationship with God as do dreams and visions and trances and words of knowledge and all that. And that's a very unfortunate uh, division of the spiritual gifts, as if dreams and impressions and visions are more important than teaching, mercy, administration. Those gifts aren't just as important. They're not as uh, intimate as these other gifts is a very unfortunate thing to say. And again, this is a, another day of uh, another version of the modern, modern day version of Gnosticism. So if you get dreams and visions and you go into trances, you're a half, you're really close with God. But if you're one of these poor souls and all you have is the Bible and dwelt by the Holy spirit and you don't get dreams and visions from God, you just have the word of God. Say you have the gift of teaching uh, then you're a have not. That's just not as as spiritual as as the other gifts. Very unfortunate. Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, I would submit, is the resource that is singularly most responsible for introducing charismatic theology into at least theoretically non-charismatic circles. Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby came out, I believe, in 1991 and uh, really introduced this whole notion of God speaking to people outside of Scripture. Before experiencing God, most non-charismatic churches would have understood that God speaks to us in the Bible. We speak to God in prayer. Most people in at least non-charismatic churches would have understood that before experiencing God came out. Now, hardly anybody understands that. Now, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, for example, which is not known to be charismatic, uh, thanks to experiencing God, now I would say probably the vast, vast majority, maybe upwards of 95%, an educated guess on my part of Southern Baptists think that God speaks to them outside of scripture. And in large part, it comes uh, as some of the fruit of experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. But Henry Blackaby says this in his book on page 87, if you have trouble hearing God speak, you are in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. So if you're not hearing God speak to you, you're in trouble at the heart of your 
Christian experience. This should be something that should be a regular part, they say, of the Christian life. Now, I want to show you a video of a man named Sid Roth. Uh, Sid Roth has a program on TPN entitled It's Supernatural. Sid Roth has the looniest stuff that you could ever imagine. I mean, just last night I was watching Sid Roth and uh, just Looney Tune stuff. But what I'm about to show you is one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen on Christian television. And I'm just going to play this and, and uh, we'll talk about it. Sid Roth is going to, well, I'll just let it play. Watch this from Sid Roth. Hello, Sid Roth here. Welcome to my world where it's naturally supernatural. I have read of the great men and women of faith. One in particular intrigues me so much. His name, Smith Wigglesworth. He had some of the most outrageous miracles I ever heard of in my life. Uh, Let me give you one example. Some parents had a two-month-old baby dying in the hospital. The parents kidnapped the child, took the child to a Smith Wigglesworth meeting, and Smith looks at the child, looks at the parents and say, can I do what God tells me to do? Well, what would you do if you were the parents? The child's dying anyway, right? He takes the baby, two-month-old, throws the baby against the wall. The baby. Then the baby's on the floor. He ta- Have you ever seen someone play soccer? Have you ever seen them uh, kick a soccer ball? He does that with the baby. The baby falls into the congregation. No crying. Is it dead? 100% healed. No crying. There are just no words for how a Appalling and horrific that is. Smith Wigglesworth was a faith healer, long dead, but his granddaughter was uh, the guest on this program of Sid Roth, uh, Smith Wigglesworth's granddaughter. And she tells this story. My guess is that this probably never happened. Uh, I doubt very much that it happened. If it did, if it did, that baby died. That's what happened to that baby, if it happened. Uh, people are often say, oh, well, Justin, you just talk about the fringe of the charismatic movement, the fringe elements. No, this is the mainstream of the charismatic movement. This was put on worldwide television just a couple of years ago. And one of the charismatic mantras is what God does for one, he'll do for you. In addition to the spiritual dangers of this theology, there are physical dangers to this movement. Sid Roth putting this on worldwide television and charismatics. Remember what God does for one, he'll do for you. And so someone is sitting at home and they're watching this from Sid Roth, who claims to hear God speak to him all the time. And he, someone's sitting at home and they think, wow, well, God told Smith Wigglesworth to throw a sick baby against a wall and he would be healed and then to kick the baby into the audience. And, and God healed that sick baby. My kid is sick. My neighbor's kid is sick. What God does for one, he'll do for you. Unless you think that there are not people out in the world dumb enough to believe this, the very fact that he put this on worldwide television is self-evident proof that people are dumb enough to believe this. Absolutely appalling. Absolutely appalling. 
How is it that in the movement that is most known for getting dreams and visions from God and hearing God speak to them all the time, how is it that this same movement, the charismatic movement, is home to the most brazen heretics, the most obvious charlatans, the most obvious false teachers, and the the most unhinged, deranged, disturbing, even violent stuff? How is it that the charismatic movement is home to that when they claim to have such an intimate, close relationship with God? Absolutely appalling. Back to Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I'll show you some of what he writes. He says, I sensed God's call. I prayed and sensed God wanted me to do such and such. I began to sense a great urgency from God. We began to sense God leading us. Our church sensed God wanted us to do such and such. One of our members felt led to do such and such. So you see, this is very based on emotions and feelings and the experiential. What exactly does the call of God feel like? Sense? How do you sense that? What 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 does that look like? How does that feel? The, this this sensing. Do you get? Is it like the, you know, the Spider Man, the the Spidey tingle or whatever? You know, the six. I mean, what is it? What does it feel like? How do you know when God is? doing that. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Okay. Uh, Bill Hybels, the power of a whisper. Bill Hybels up until a couple of years ago was pastor of Willow Creek Church there in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Kind of the, one of the, he, along with Rick Warren, one of the founders, movers and shakers of the seeker sensitive movement. But Bill Hybels wrote a book entitled The Power of a Whisper, Hearing God, Having the Guts to Respond. Bill Hybels says this, Without a hint of exaggeration, I can boldly declare that God's low-volume whispers have saved me from a life of sure boredom and self-destruction. These So God whispering in this, these still small voices, these low-volume whispers, saved Bill Hybels from a life of boredom and self-destruction. Again, what an insult to the Word of God. God says in Jeremiah 23, Is not my word like a fire, declares Yahweh, which Lord... Really, his name's Yahweh there, but and like a hammer which shatters a rock. Does that sound boring to you? Does that sound like it doesn't have much fi- uh, power to you? It's not my word like a fire and like a hammer which shatters a rock. That doesn't sound very boring to me. And uh, I might point out that despite what Bill Hybels wrote in his book, that these low volume whispers from God saved him from a life of boredom and self destruction. Well, Bill Hybels is no longer a pastor because he's morally disqualified. He morally disqualified himself from being a pastor. So much for those low volume whispers sh- saving him from a life of self destruction. Watch this from Robert Morris. Robert Morris, pastor of Gateway Church in the DFW, Dallas Fort Worth area. Just remember, we have international folks watching us. Probably don't know what DFW is, but watch this from Robert Morris. You know, if we said we're going to have a class on prayer, you said, that's, that's, I need that. And even the disciples said, teach us to pray. But let me remind you that hearing God is the second half of prayer. Because if you can't hear God, why would you pray? Now, one reason is to make our requests and petitions be known to God. But God never intended prayer to be a giving of our to-do list to him every morning. He intended prayer to be communication between a father and his children. And if you'll just take some time and start to listen, you'll be amazed that he'll speak. So I'm sure you've heard this before, that prayer is a two-way street, right? So we pray to God, we talk to him, and then 
after we pray, we listen real hard uh, for him to speak to us. And maybe you've done this before. Maybe you've heard this kind of teaching and you've got something going on in your life. And so you go to the Lord and you talk to him in prayer and you say, Lord, this is what is going on in my life. Um, This is the decision I've got to make. I'm not sure what to do. Lord, speak to me. And you get real quiet and you listen real hard for God to speak back to you in this still small voice. And then maybe you hear some voice in your head or you think you hear a some words and you think, oh, was that you, Lord? Or was that me? You know, what was that God? How, how do you know? How do you know when God is speaking to you? If this, if prayer is to be this two-way street, and apparently it is because it's such a widespread teaching. Well, do you find anything like that in scripture? Can you think of any place in scripture where prayer is described as a two-way street? No, Prayer is not described as being a two-way street in the Bible. In fact, Luke chapter 11, remember Luke chapter 11, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, there's the question posed by the disciples to Christ. Lord, teach us to pray. What a perfect opportunity, right? For Jesus to tell them, okay, guys, here's how you pray. You talk to God and then you get real quiet and you listen for that still small voice for God to talk back to you, right? I mean, perfect opportunity. The ball is sitting on the tee, right? Wait, waiting for Jesus to knock it out of the park and say, guys, I'm so glad you asked. You need to remember that prayer is a two-way street. Is that what Jesus said? No, it's not what he said. He said, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be thy name. Jesus said absolutely nothing about prayer being a two-way street at all. But what about this still small voice? It doesn't. God speak to us in a still small voice. This is a tweet from Beth Moore. Beth Moore says, there's a time to give up and a time to keep trying. Sometimes the time to keep trying feels a whole lot like the time to give up. The only difference is the still small voice of the Holy Spirit within you saying, try again. It's not the same old Monday if there are brand new mercies. So the still small voice thing. We hear this all the time, that God speaks to us in a still, small voice. Does he? Well, where does this still, small voice come from? Is it in the Bible? Yes, it's in the Bible, but it's only in the King James rendering of the Bible. You have to go to the King James. But let's look at this. 1 Kings chapter 19. This is the story of Elisha. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, Yahweh. And behold, Yahweh passed by in a great and strong wind, rent the mountains, broke the pieces, uh, broken pieces, the rocks before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. There it is right there in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. Now for context, Elisha had just called down fire and destroyed the false prophets. And then he uh, fled from Jezebel and scared. So he ran like a little schoolgirl out into the wilderness, went into a cave because he was so afraid of Jezebel, went in the cave and he had this experience where there was wind, but God was not in the wind. There was an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. There was fire, but God was not in the, in the fire. But after the fire, a still small voice. Now, the way that this is literally uh, rendered in the Hebrew is this: basically the sound of a quiet whisper is kind of the most literal rendering in Hebrew. 
But look at what the next verse says. And it was so when Elijah heard it. Now, remember, Elijah was in a cave. Did I say Elisha? I mean, Elijah, sorry. Elijah was in a cave. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah was in this cave and he heard this still small voice. But notice what it says. It says that he, when he heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he walked out to the entrance of the cave. And there he heard God speaking more clearly. What are you doing here, Elijah? Dear friends, the still small voice was not some inner impression in his head. It was not some internal hunch or feeling or impression or voice in his head. It was not internal. It was external. He walked out to the entrance of the cave to hear this voice. It was not in here. It was out there. So can we please do away with the whole still small voice thing? This is one of those things that has worked its way into the evangelical lingo that God supposedly speaks to us in inner impression inside our head. And this is where it's taken from. First Kings 19, and that's not at all what it's talking about. Completely and totally out of context. Completely and totally out of context. So let's do away with the still small voice thing, shall we? Okay. Um, but what about John 10, 27? My sheep hear my voice. What about that? Watch this clip. All right. So John chapter 10, look at verse 1. We're talking about we're sheep and we can hear God. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens. Now watch this carefully. And the sheep, watch, hear his voice. Can you just say those three words? Hear his voice. So John 10, 27 to me is the most concise and comprehensive verse in scripture about hearing God. Uh, It's when Jesus says, my sheep, hear my voice. Mm. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That seems like ironclad proof that we as Christians, we are God's sheep. After all, we are supposed to hear the voice of the shepherd in an audible way. Hear the voice of of Christ, right? John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. But look at the rest of the verse. And I know them and they follow me. So even when you look at the whole verse, it you kind of begin to get the sense that maybe there's more to this, uh, my sheep hear my voice thing than what we're being told. In fact, there's a lot more to it. Let's look at the full context. John chapter 10, let's begin with verse 26. Jesus says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Well, there's the doctrine of election. So automatically we see something more at work is in play here. You do not believe because you are not of my sheep. So immediately we see the context here is believing in Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And look at verse 28. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I give eternal life to them. This is not talking about God speaking to you in some inner impression, some still small voice telling you where to go have lunch one day or where to get your Thanksgiving Day turkey. That's not what this is talking about. This is the new birth. This is regeneration. This is salvation. This is before our conversion, okay? Before you are converted, you know what you were? You were a sheep. You were a lost sheep. 
I was a lost sheep. Before we were converted, we were sheep, but we were lost sheep. Lost sheep wandering around out in the pasture of life with our heads down, grazing, minding our own business. But then all of a sudden we hear a voice and we perk our heads up. We hear the shepherd. We see him and we go to him. We follow the shepherd. This is the new birth. This is the good shepherd giving life to his sheep, calling his sheep to himself in salvation. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. And what a terrible trivialization of such a beautiful text of scripture to reduce it down to something like God whispering inside your head, telling you where to go have lunch one day or to take a right turn instead of a left turn. That's nonsense. That is not what this is talking about. I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. If you've ever wondered about eternal security, if you can lose your salvation, go to John chapter 10, spend time there and look at what he says in verse 29. My father who has given them to me, do you know that's what you are? If you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, the Savior and Lord, you know what you are. You are a gift from God the Father to God the Son. You have been given from the Father to the Son as a gift. That's what you are. You're a gift to Christ, given to him by the Father. No one will snatch you out of the hand of Christ. God, the Father, who has given them to me, look at what Jesus says, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So, dear one, if you are in Christ, you are a gift You have been given by the Father to the Son. Jesus is holding you in his strong hand. And as if his hand were not strong enough, and it is. But then Jesus, in verse 29, he wraps the Father's hand, as it were, around that of his own. And dear friends, you're not getting out of that. You're not going to lose your salvation. You are being held in the hand of Christ, and Christ's hand is being held in the hand of the Father. You're not getting out of that. Nobody's going to snatch you out of that. Beautiful passage of scripture. A terrible trivialization to reduce it to what the modern day evangelical teachers have done. I want to talk a little bit about Jesus Calling. This is this is the hottest selling devotional book and has been for a number of years now. I think it came out in 2012 and it has sold tens of millions of copies. It is just absolutely light years ahead of everything else. It was written by Sarah Young. Very, very dangerous books. I'm going to show you some excerpts out of Jesus Calling. Sarah Young says this. She says, this is a direct quote out of the introduction of her book. She says, during the same year in 1992, I began reading God Calling, a devotional book by two anonymous listeners. These women practiced waiting quietly in God's presence, pencils and papers in hand, recording the messages they received from him. So Jesus Calling, uh, written by Sarah Young, her inspiration was a book called God Calling. And God Calling was a book, I have a copy of it actually, written back in the 1930s by two anonymous female mystics. We don't know the names of these two ladies. They were just two ladies who wanted to learn how to hear the voice of God. And so they they practiced waiting in the presence of God, listening to him. And it's like the more they practiced, they finally tuned in to just the right frequency. And when they hit just the right frequency, whatever God's frequency is, then they started hearing him and God started calling them, God calling, and they wrote down what he was saying with pencils in hand. This was the inspiration for Jesus calling for Sarah Young. Sarah Young says this, 
She says, I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. You see, the Bible just was not enough for Sarah Young. Yeah, she knows it's there. She knows it's ostensibly the Word of God, but she needed something more. The Bible was not enough. I really take offense when I hear people say, yeah, I understand God wrote a book for us, but I need something more. I need something more intimate. I I need something more than the Bible. Really, do you? Hmm. Okay, here's my question for you. Have you mastered, I don't have my, yeah, I do. Have you mastered this book from cover to cover? From Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, you have mastered this book cover to cover. You have squeezed every drop of truth there is to squeeze out of this book. There is nothing more than you can learn from that book. If the answer to that question is no, and it is, because none of us have done that. None of us have mastered. We all of us could spend a thousand lifetimes studying the word of God and compile, combine all of that accumulated knowledge. And we would barely scratch the surface of what's in the Bible. So if you have not mastered the Bible from cover to cover, then please don't tell me that the Bible is not enough. Please don't tell me you need something else. You don't even understand what you have in black and white right in front of you. Please don't tell me the Bible is not enough. What an offensive thing to say. You see, over and over, this is a denigration of the word of God. And then Sarah Young said this. She said, I decided to listen to God with pen in hand, writing down whatever I believed he was saying. Houston, we have a problem. So just like the ladies who wrote God Calling, Sarah Young says that she tuned in to just the right frequency and God started speaking. Jesus started speaking to her. And she says, with pen in hand, I began to write down what he was saying. If that is what is happening, do you know what Sarah Young is doing? If Jesus is speaking to her and she's writing down what he's saying, you know what she's doing? She's writing scripture. That's what she's doing. She is writing scripture because whatever God says should be just as authoritative as anything in scripture. And see, dear friends, this is the danger. When people say, well, God spoke to me and he said, quote, da, 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 da then whatever God is saying to you, that should be just as authoritative as John 3.16 or Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 or Romans 10, 9 and 10, any verse in the Bible. It should carry the same authority because God cannot speak less authoritatively on one occasion than he does on another. If God is speaking, God is speaking and whatever he says is authoritative. It's not that he won't speak less authoritatively on one occasion than he does on another. He can't. If God is speaking, God is speaking. And so whatever God is saying to all these people, when the people say, God spoke to me and said, quote, da, 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 then that has theoretically just as much authority as any verse in the Bible. So, Therefore, we have an open canon of Scripture. Have an open canon of Scripture. There's no way to avoid that. All right. For time's sake, I'm going to have to move along a little bit more quickly here. Uh, Again, from Beth Moore, when godly people do ungodly things, Beth Moore says this, I am being as honest as I know how to be when I say that I did not write these pages by simple preference. I wrote them because had I not, the rocks in my yard would have cried out. Wow. So Beth, look at the claim she is making for this book that she wrote when godly people do ungodly things. If she had not, this was, she's, this is not a book she wrote by personal preference. If she had not written this book, the rocks in her yard would have cried out. Nothing like taking that passage of scripture and comparing it, using it to, to for yourself. Absolutely unbelievable. 
What God does with what he has promised is his business. I entrust the message entirely to the one who delivered it while I sat bug-eyed. So Beth Moore was just this passive recipient and God downloaded information to her. And this book, When Godly People Do Ungodly Things, that's the product of it. Well, you know what godly people don't do? One of the things that godly people don't do is they don't claim that God speaks to them when he's not really speaking to them. Watch this from Matt Chandler. So, so let's talk about what prophecy is and what prophecy isn't. Um, the thus saith the Lord, look right at me, is over. Look at me. When this text is talking about prophecy, it's not talking about the way Jeremiah prophesied or Isaiah prophesied. or no, that that's closed. That's canonized. So you will never prophesy in a way that's on par, equal to, anywhere near the inerrant, infallible word of God. That's closed, shut. And so the best you've got, the best you've got is the humility to say, I think the Lord would have me lay this before you. Well, that sounds like a real spiritual thing to say. And it sounds like he's trying to have to maintain some level of orthodoxy here. He's saying that, that when God, when God eats and he talks about prophecy. So he says, modern day prophecy, when God is speaking to you, that is God speaking to you, but it's not as authoritative as scripture. Again, my question is, how does that work? He says, it's not canonized. It's it's not like Isaiah or Jeremiah. It's not like that. Well, my question is, why isn't it like that? Did God just sort of mean it. I mean, he he really meant it in scripture, but he just sort of means it when he talks to us today outside of scripture. How does that work? You see, he's he's trying to have his cake and eat it too, but you can't do that. You cannot have your canonical cake and eat it too. He says the best thing we can do today is say that, you know, I, I feel like God is saying this to me. Sam Storms, again, and this Sam Storms, I, I believe, I, Sam Storms is no Sid Roth, okay? He's no Beth Moore. Uh, I fully expect to see Sam Storms in heaven one day, but he is a charismatic and I strongly differ with him on this issue. I believe he's a brother, but I'll show you um, it's, this is just talk, dealing with the dangers of this position. Sam Storms in his book, Practicing the Power, he says this on pages 129 through 130. He says, dramatic, this is picking up with what Chandler just said. Dramatic pronouncements aren't helpful. Avoid saying things like, thus saith the Lord, or this is the word of the Lord for your life. They aren't helpful. So he's saying the same thing that uh, Matt Chandler just did. Don't say things like that. We have found that it is better to introduce prophetic utterances with statements such as, I have a strong inner impression that I believe is from the Lord. I had a sense from the Holy Spirit. I had a dream which involved several of you. Now look at the language here. I have a strong inner impression that I believe is from the Lord. Do you see anything like that modeled in Scripture? Do you see anything like that in models? Let's look at Scripture. Let's look and see how God spoke to people. This whole notion of people saying things like, I feel like the Lord said to me, was do we see this in Scripture? The word of the Lord came to Abram. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Even in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit spoke, he spoke very clearly, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Nowhere in scripture, dear friends, will you find anything resembling like someone saying, well, I feel like the Lord might be trying to tell us such and such. I, I feel like the Lord is leading me to, I feel like the Lord, I feel like the Lord is trying to tell us said nobody in the Bible ever. Nobody, Old or New Testament said anything like that. 
When God spoke, it was crystal clear as to what he said. Nobody in the Bible anywhere said, I think I feel like the Lord may be trying to tell us. No, it's not there. It's not there. So we have created this entirely new way of God speaking to us. And we've somehow degraded the prophetic gift from being authoritative, from being infallible, from being inerrant in the Old Testament. And somehow now in the New Testament era or in the church era, it's it's still there, but it's just not as authoritative as it was. That says who? Point me to a text of scripture that says the prophetic gift is still in operation. It's just not as authoritative as it used to be. So what did it did it degrade? You see, it's a lot of problems here. We're, we're creating something completely out of whole cloth that is not modeled anywhere in scripture. Uh, watch this from another uh, from Matt Chandler. What I'm asking you to do is be brave. Ask, hear, step out, approach, and just say, hey, while I was praying, the Lord brought you to my mind. And, and even if it sounds crazy to you, just trust him. He's going, okay, Danny, let's do it. Lord, what would you want me to encourage Danny with? And then I quiet again, trying to listen. And then automatically in my head, there's a picture of a ship, a pirate ship. And then there's uh, there, there's like cannons on the pirate ship. And there's a shark chasing the pirate ship. Now at that point, you're like, nope, no, not going to happen. Right? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to just step out. And you can even admit, like, we're growing together. We're going to fail. And this is going to get weird. It's going to be awesome. Like, I'm just going to go to Danny. And I'm going to be like, hey, brother, you heard my sermon. I was praying. Danny was a pirate ship. It's a shark chasing it. There were cannons. I'm not going to interpret that for him. I'm not going to be like, what I think that means is that and you're stealing some stuff from people. And Jesus is the shark. And I, you need to repent. I'm, I'm not going to interpret that for him. I'm just going to go. And in a great deal of humility, I'm just going to be, does that make any sense to you? No, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to anybody else. So when you get a dream, according to Matt Chandler, when you get a dream, you're this is supposedly God speaking to you through a dream and you're somehow, I mean, what is the hermeneutical grid exactly for interpreting dreams? Where can I go in the Bible? Uh, yes, I can go in the Bible and I can find examples of God speaking to people in dreams, but God also gave the revelation to that person to whom he gave the dream. The interpretation, I, I'm, see, this is something that is being created out of whole cloth. I had a dream last night. In fact, right now, I remember what I dreamed last night. I dreamed I was in a in a water park on my scooter, in my scooter, <laughs> I put my... I remember this from last night's dream. I, my little electric scooter that I ride around, I put it in the water, um, like the the water ride. The when you get in the logs, you know, the floating logs, and it takes you up, and you go down, and you splash, and you maneuver around. And then I was in my scooter, and somehow my scooter was floating, and I was riding my scooter around the water ride at some amusement park. Was that God speaking to me? No, it wasn't God speaking to me. It was just a stupid dream. That's all it was. It means nothing. It means nothing. It's meaningless. So what? what is the hermeneutical grid exactly to try to interpret? There, There is none. It makes no sense. You know what dreams are? They're just dreams. That's it. Uh, watch this from Lou Engel. That's a sweet spot. Yeah. You know, the last day's language of the Holy Spirit is dreams. That's right. But we, 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 so what was just a dream? What do you mean just a dream? Who knows what angels had to fight through to break into your world? 
to give you their thoughts and you just say it's just a dream. I think. Okay, so that's Lou Engle. And you see Lou Engle sitting there with Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Church, which is a den of wolves. It's a cult. And Bill, I mean, uh, excuse me, Benny Hinn. So Lou Engle, Bill Johnson, Benny Hinn, and that's Michael Koulianos on the, on the end there. This is These guys are word of faith, New Apostolic Reformation. They're brazen heretics, obvious false teachers. They're lost. And you see them teaching the exact same thing that Matt Chandler just taught. You see, and I'm not equating Matt Chandler with Benny Hinn and Bill Johnson, but the, here's the point. This notion of God speaking outside of Scripture and dreams and visions, it it crosses the spectrum here. And once you allow for this, once the camel's nose is under the tent, it is a very slippery slope from going from where Matt Chandler is to going to where Lou Engle and Bill Johnson and Benny Hinn are. Once you take that position that God is speaking outside of Scripture, then the camel's nose is under the tent, and there is no logical or theological reason to prevent you from sliding right into Benny Hinn land. So let's look at a couple of texts here real quick. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. The writer of Hebrews is saying that God spoke in the old days, in the in the old covenant, in a lot of different ways. Indeed, God spoke to Moses up on the mountain through a storm and uh, storm and thunder. God spoke to Elijah through a still small voice. He spoke uh, in Numbers chapter twenty-two. God made a donkey talk. He spoke through a burning bush. He spoke in a lot of different portions and a lot of different ways, and there are many different genres of Old Testament scripture in which he spoke, narrative, uh, poetic literature, prophetic literature. So he spoke in a lot of different ways. But in these last days, says the writer of Hebrews, he has spoken to us in his son. Friends, Jesus is the final speaking of God, the final speaking of God. Everything that God has to say to us, he has said in his son, Jesus Christ. And we have a perfect, inerrant, infallible, all-sufficient record of that in his word. Jesus is the final speaking of God. And I hear people say, well, well, I, I had this vivid dream. I had this experience. And I just like I was driving my car one day and I was going to work and I always take a left turn on Main Street. And for some reason on this particular day, I just had this impression that I shouldn't take this left turn on Main Street. I just kept going straight, and I took a left turn on Maple Street or something. And turns out there was a wreck on Main Street, and if I had turned there, I would have been in that wreck or something like that. You know, and how do you explain that? How how do you explain the the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night one night? I started thinking about my friend and in another part of the country and. And I just had this burden to pray for my friend. Turns out my friend was going through a very difficult time or was in a you know, health crisis or something. How do you explain that? Well, here's how I would explain it. I would say two things. One, I cannot exegete your experience. I don't doubt, or my experiences, I don't doubt that people have experiences. Uh, you know, we all have experiences, things that we're just not real sure what to make of. But I can't exegete those. The only, things that I, the only thing that I can exegete is, is Scripture. But I want to show you another experience that Peter, James, and John had. They write about it in Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse sixteen through nineteen. 
Peter says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, what is he talking about there? He is talking about the transfiguration of Christ, the Mount of Transfiguration. We see it in verse 17. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. This is when Jesus was transfigured with Moses and Elijah and the the veil that had been covering the glory of Christ in his in his incarnation was was peeled back a little bit and Peter James and John saw the the revealed glory of Christ as he was transfigured in front of them and they heard the voice out of heaven this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased and look at what peter says in verse 19 for but we have the prophetic word made more sure what is he talking about what prophetic word made more sure this prophetic word more sure more sure more certain than what they experienced at the mount of transfiguration peter was there james and john were there they saw this with their own two eyes they heard the voice from heaven from the majestic glory they experienced this and what do they say of the scriptures the scriptures are more certain than that I don't doubt that you may have had some experience that's just a little unusual or maybe kind of caught your attention. or But whatever experience you think you may have had, dear ones, or whatever experience I think I may have had, here's what I can tell you. It doesn't approach that kind of experience. Whatever experience we think we may have had, it doesn't begin to approach what Peter, James, and John experienced. And if they could say of the scriptures that they that the scriptures are more certain than what they experienced <laughs> i guarantee you far more certain for anything that you think we think that we experienced i want to say this too uh real quickly and i need to i need to land the plane here um talking about i tell you what i'm going to hold i'm going to hold on maybe that'll come up in q a maybe somebody can ask in the q a about uh, Muslims claiming to get dreams and visions of Jesus because that's uh, that's something, but I don't really have time to go into it because I do need to land. All right, dear friends. So if you want to hear God speak to you, there's one way. I guarantee you, you will hear God speak. Read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak to you audibly, read it out loud. 100% guarantee you will hear him speak. The word of God is inerrant it is infallible and it is sufficient. It is everything that we need. We have God's word. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We have the fellowship of the saints, the love of the brethren. We have everything that we need. The word of God is sufficient. Hope this has been helpful for you, dear ones. Thank you very much. And Andrew, I will. Uh, yeah. Well, to you. We thank you for that. And, uh, you know, Justin, I had a dream last night as well. You and I were stuck in New York City with the, with the, you know, the whole COVID-19 thing. You and I couldn't get back to Jersey to do this, this conference. You know how I know that it wasn't reality? How so? You were walking. Yeah. 
Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so just, just to let you know, we, we have had about 500 people uh, watching live just now. Um, and we're, you know, so folks, if you want to share this, we're, we're offering this free. We didn't charge money for this. Um, but we've had people from Scotland, Australia, uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, Finland, Sarasota, Florida. Whoever is out in Sarasota, Florida, you need to get in contact with me. Uh, I have family down there. We can get together when I'm down there. Ireland and Providence. Oh, wait, no, the Providence wasn't this place. They were answering the question you were asking about how God just happens to work things out when they turn down the wrong turn. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's Providence. That's right. That's, that's <laughs> so, um, again, those who register, if you haven't registered, go into the link to register uh, down at strivingfraternity.org slash online dash events or just the online events tab at Striving Fraternity. Register because later this week we're going to choose three people to get a private one hour Zoom meeting with Justin and I. Um, and we're if you'd like to have this event in your church. Uh, that's doable. It's something we, we would like to do. Just email speaker at strivingforeternity.org and we'll book that. Um, now, you know, uh, I remember what I was going to say, Justin, was that you and I are headed, at least the plan is, if uh, this hasn't been canceled yet, the end of the end of uh, January, end of this year, I guess, in December, I should say, end of this year, you and I are headed to Guatemala. Um, last year in the Philippines, they asked me to speak and I, I said, Hey, you should invite Justin. You got me back <clears throat> because you were supposed to speak in Guatemala and you had them invite me. Uh, and then I've gotten you back again because I was asked to speak in India and, uh, it seems like they, they spoke to you. So it looks like maybe end of January, we might be going to India as well. Uh, there's a reason folks, I like to, to speak with Justin. It's really simple. After Justin speaks, there's no pressure on me. You know, I, I, I could say any th stupid thing in the world and no one's listening to me. It's great. Besides the fact that, as you see, I don't have to fear about naming names because Justin just named them all. <laughs> so there's no pressure. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the nice thing. So what we're going to do, folks, is we're going to go to to a break and uh, we're going to um, let's see, where's my slides? There it is. So we're going to go to a 10 minute break. We're going to be back in 10 minutes. I'm going to start with a session on how to interpret the word of God. So uh, we'll be back in 10 minutes.